You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. I'm so excited today because we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, how Redux is apparently dead. What? <laughs> we have Mark Erickson here today, and um, you know, let me just go ahead and quickly introduce myself. My name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet, and I'm joined by my co-host here, Ben Lash. Hi, Ben. Hi. We're twinning. <laughs> We're twinning today. That's true. We're wearing our Kendo um, shirts. Can I see yours, Ben? All right. Here we go. Yeah. We should have gotten Mark one, though. That would have been the best. Then we could have been tripleting. Is that a thing? Trinning. <laughs> Trinning. Triplets. Trinning. <laughs> and then quadruplets would be quinning. They need to add this to the dictionary, I swear. It's probably there. The urban dictionary anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so let me talk about Kendo really quickly. So Kendo React is this really cool professional UI and database component library. Um, it was designed and built from the ground up specifically for React. And what it can do is that it can actually augment any existing UI stack. Um, and it has about 80 different feature-rich components and advanced functionality. So it makes it the perfect suite to kind of standardize and remove a lot of complexity of working on multiple UI um, solutions. So, you know, we've worked with, uh, you know, the Kendo React team, well, Kendo, the Kendo team for quite some time now. They're awesome people. I absolutely love them. And we're so excited to have them uh, be sponsoring this podcast. So thank you guys. And that being said, we get to actually talk about our favorite person today, which is Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for Redux? Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm a software engineer. I live in Southwest Ohio and I kind of accidentally got involved in Redux a, a few months after it came out. Uh, started by offering to contribute a frequently asked questions page got handed the commit keys and at some point Dan got busy with React and turned to myself and Tim Dorr and said you're the maintainers now and so it's it's my thing at this point um, it, it takes up a very large portion of my free time whether it be writing docs answering questions attempting to actually work on updates and bug fixes uh, it's it's my thing so you're very much similar to uh, to Ben, where ArxJS takes up his entire, basically, free time and life. I, I was up till 2 a.m. last night. So if I have bags under my eyes, that's why. Working on Rx stuff. They're badges of honor. That's what we call them. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Work-life balance. It's important. <laughs> so, uh, Mark, the, you know, fun topic, which I, I think is just funny because it's like, God, I remember when, I just think it's hilarious that some people are like, Redux is dead. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, is that like 70% of your life talking about why Redux is not dead or? <laughs> it's, it, it is a disturbingly large percentage of my discussions at this point. Um, it, it, there waves of it pop up on Twitter every, every two or three months. Um, 
you know, Reddit comments and, and arguments and blog posts, it's, it's, it's a very recurring theme. And there's very understandable reasons why people say that. Um, but it's definitely not dead. I can assure you, Redux is not dead. Well, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, I guess, I mean, the, you know, you, you've had these conversations online, but um, can you explain a little bit about, you know, what you, like, what is your argument, I guess, or sure. maybe like, why do people think that? I mean, I know there's, you know, uh, use reducer and react hooks and everything like that. Um, but I'll let, I'll let you do the explaining. Sure. Uh, so I, I literally wrote a blog post in 2018 entitled Redux, not dead yet. And I actually updated it a few months ago to cover some of the newer developments in the ecosystem. Um, a lot of it has to do with reasons why people were choosing to use Redux in 2015, 16, and 17 versus how the ecosystem has evolved and what tools are available today. And so a good example is Redux versus context. When Redux and React Redux came out, um, React had a context API, but that context API was flawed in that it couldn't really propagate updates to values. And so using React Redux in an application was a way to avoid the prop drawing problem, where I don't want to pass a value through 5, 10, 15 levels of components. I just want to grab a value at the component where it's needed. And so that was a reason why people would choose to use React Redux. And React eventually came out with the modern context API, whose only purpose is to make some value available to an entire subtree of your React components. And people look at that and they, and they say, oh, well, this is exactly what I was using Redux for. Why do I need Redux? And honestly, if that is the only reason why you were using Redux was to just pass values down the tree, then no, you, you really don't need Redux at that point. Um, a lot of people have been ca storing cache data from server queries in Redux. It's, it's a natural thing to do. And Redux by itself doesn't offer any built-in facilities for fetching the data or storing the data or tracking loading state. It is just a place where you can store some kind of data, whatever data you want to put in there. And so there are other tools and libraries that are specifically focused on solving the problem of data fetching and caching, whether it be Apollo and GraphQL, uh, React Query, uh, SWR, and so on. And if all you're doing is fetching and caching some data from the server, and that's all you were using Redux for, well, with the overlap in the use cases, if you switch to doing that with Apollo or React Query, you probably don't need Redux for that. That's not to say that you can't use Redux for passing values around the tree or storing cache data. It's just that there are other tools whose only purpose is to do that kind of thing. And so if you imagine 
you know, the, the Venn diagram of all the possible reasons why you might want to use Redux, there are many other tools in the ecosystem that overlap with those use cases. And so people say, well, this is my use case. This is why I was using Redux. This other tool may make that particular use case easier to deal with. Why would I need the Redux at all? Um, and then you get into, you know, other you know, discussions like, um, you know, the, the React team is going in certain directions with hooks like use context and use reducer, um, suspense and concurrent mode. And the React team has pointed out that because React wants to own the process of doing state updates when concurrent mode and suspense come out, uh, Redux is kind of fundamentally at odds with that because Redux wants you to keep your state outside of React and the process of updating state in Redux is different from the process of applying state updates inside of React's own batching and behavior. And so, you know, there's, there's some fundamental differences in how those behave. So Redux is kind of in this odd place right now where it can be used for many things, but there are other tools that may do those, you know, certain aspects of those better. And so people keep kind of, it, it's, it's kind of like that old story about like a bunch of blind people who are trying to describe an elephant just based by feeling it. You know, one, one person feels the tail and says it's long and stringy. Another person feels the trunk and says it's, it's this big round thing. And another person feels the side and it's a wall. And they're all only kind of like describing parts of what it actually is. And people kind of look at Redux the same way. They only see part of what it's being used for they look at something else and say, well, this, this does that same thing. Why do I need it? And these are all very valid points to make. So the problem is that people look at those things and that they then assume that this means that no one needs to use it or that there are no good use cases for using Redux. And you know, the, the main goal behind Redux in the first place was a trade-off of adding some indirection, differentiating between the process of describing something that happened versus how the state gets updated and making it possible to track when, where, why, and how your state changed over time. Redux still does that incredibly well. And if that's the main kind of thing that you're worried about and your application does have changes to state in the app over time, Redux still does that incredibly well. It's just that that's not always the problem that people are actually trying to solve. Right, I'd, I'd say the one thing that I've noticed that Redux, so Redux um, has a sister product in the Angular world, which is um, NGRX, of course. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's, they're, they're I mean, they're pretty much the same thing as uh, like NGRX effects has Redux is, is the same as Redux observable, uh, which is a library that uh, Jay Phelps maintains and, and him and I wrote together at Netflix. Um, but the thing about Redux that I think a lot of people miss is it actually provides a lot of guidance as far as architecture goes. Mm -hmm. um, and like, can you do a lot of those same things with use reducer and context and some of these other things. Yeah, but I mean, you've, there's two, there's two issues with it. One is 
and I'm not saying these are bad things, but these are things that people will run into. One is um, they're going to hit uh, a problem with uh, like the fact that their state management is now totally coupled to their rendering uh, layer, which is not true if you're using Redux. Um, and it might not be a bad thing. In most, in, I'd say 90% of cases, it's probably not bad at all. Um, probably 95 or 99 or whatever, but like that, that can be a problem for some folks. And, um, the other problem is like people are given these like relatively primitive tools within react and kind of forced to architect their own solutions. Um, which I think is like Ben reacts pitfall across a wide variety of things. There's, there's usually not like a cohesive guided, you know, cow path for people to walk down and react. And so everyone ends up with their own weird, different architecture and, or their own pseudo version of Redux that they've rolled somewhere or something like that. Um, and I would say that that's probably a place where Redux shines. I, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's, that's always been my take on it. Um, here or there. Yeah, I mean, so an, an observation I've made a few times is that you can, I think you can, you can divide a lot of React developers into two different viewpoints. One is my app is my components versus my app is my data and state layer. You know, and, and you know, it kind of a component-centric versus an app-centric view of the world. And so you know, on the component-centric side, you have people who are saying, you know, every, every component should be completely independent in a sense, you know, declare its styles, declare its data fetching needs, you know, wrap it in, you know, a, a GraphQL query or something like that. And then you've got people who want to be able to test all the logic completely independent from any UI layer or maybe even reuse that logic independent from a UI layer. And, and again, these are, these are both very valid viewpoints, but they also affect how you're going to architect things and what kind of use cases you're going to deal with. Um, you know, for people who are going to be very component centric, then yeah, they, they want their state management to be highly coupled to their UI layer because that's, that's the goal of, of what they're trying to do. Whereas, you know, if you are trying to say your data layer is the app, then you probably want that to be independent from whatever the UI is. Right. So uh, I'm curious what, uh, what sort of, cause I haven't actually been involved in, in using Redux in, in some time, but, um, what uh, what sort of things has Redux been doing since the advent of hooks? Like, what's the what's the path forward for the modernization of Redux and and uh, you know, in terms of the Angular community and, and elsewhere? That uh, modernization of Redux is a great topic and one that I am happily happily you know babbling about for for hours on end. Um, so when let me give a brief recap of what's happened with React Redux over the last few years. Uh, version 5 came out in late 2016, and that's where we moved a lot of the update logic out of React components and into a bunch of memoized selector functions to speed things up. In 2018, 
the React team was starting to talk about suspense and concurrent mode and new context to come out. It was clear that legacy context was going away. And based on a bunch of discussions with them, I pushed us to redesign React Redux with version six so that it not only used new context internally, it tried to actually base the process of propagating the state updates using new context. And the good news is that design worked. The bad news is it wasn't fast enough. Um, I'd, I'd set up some benchmarks and it was clear that it was somewhat slower than version five, but I was hoping that it wouldn't be a big deal in real life. And we, we got enough complaints about version six that it was clear that that just wasn't the right approach. And Sebastian Mark Baga actually said in an issue that context is not meant for flux-like state propagation. Well, we were trying to use it for flux-like state propagation, so oops. Uh, so we went back to the drawing board uh, early 2019. We built React Redux version seven, which went back to passing the state values outside of React and just forcing an update when we determined that a component needed new data. Um, the other issue was that the context-based approach wasn't going to allow us to use, to add a React hooks API to React Redux due to some fundamental technical limitations of how context behaves. So once version seven came out in spring of 2019, we were able to begin the design process of adding a hooks API to React Redux. And there were some extensive design discussion threads on GitHub. Uh, you can look those up if you're interested, you know, 250, 300 comments long. And what we eventually came up with was two relatively simple hooks in terms of usage. Uh, use selector just takes a function that's kind of like your old map state, but it usually just returns a single value. And use dispatch, which literally just gives you the store dispatch function and now you can do whatever you want with it. So it's a lot simpler conceptually than the existing connect API is. And it's also a lot easier to deal with for static typing. Uh, trying to use connect with TypeScript has always been a pain. And it's really pretty easy to use, use selector and use dispatch with TypeScript. So those shipped in React Redux 7.1 last summer. Uh, we put out a 7.2 since then, but that was just some accumulated changes. Uh, so Connect still works fine. Nothing about it has changed. We're still supporting it, but we are actually now recommending the React Redux hooks API as the default way to use React Redux. The other big thing that's been going on lately that I will happily talk about is a library called Redux Toolkit. Um, Backing up to some of the earlier discussion, besides the complaints about you know, different tools being better for certain use cases, there have been a lot of very valid complaints about how hard it is to learn and use Redux. You know, there's, I, there's too much boilerplate is the most common one. Uh, I, I have to touch too many files to add one feature or it, it's too hard to set up the store. I have to install too many other packages just to get anything useful going. And Redux was always intended to be a relatively low level set of primitives, 
but it was clear that people wanted something that had more built in out of the box. And so we created an official library called Redux Toolkit, which is designed to solve all those problems. It includes a single configure store function that basically sets up a, a Redux store with all the right defaults, including things like turning on the Redux DevTools extension, uh, checking for accidental mutations and so on, so common bugs. And it includes functions that make it really easy to write reducers and eliminate the need to write all these action creators and action types and everything else by hand. So it drastically shortens the amount of code that you have to write. And so we, we pushed that out as a 1.0 last year. And the growth and the adoption on that has been going up steadily. Um, it's, it's gone from nothing to about 35 to 40,000 downloads a day over the last few months. It's been just a nice, steady growth line. And we are also recommending that as the official default way to write Redux code. Uh, it is set up out of the box in our Redux templates for Create React app. And I've actually just finished the first draft of a new tutorial sequence for the Redux docs that will teach that as the right way to use Redux for folks who have never used Redux before. So if you look at the Redux code that we would recommend writing now versus what you see even in our existing documentation and really in most apps over the last few years, it really looks a lot different. It's a lot shorter, it's a lot cleaner, it's a lot easier to understand. There's still that level of indirection because dispatching actions is always going to be more than just you know modifying a state field directly, but there's a lot less overhead and code that you have to write. So what about third-party middleware? Um, you know, is the greater Redux community still growing? I'm assuming yes. <laughs> Mostly yes. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd spent 2015 through 2018 or so trying to keep an updated list of like every Redux related add-on and library that I could find. Mm -hmm. And I've had to stop updating that list just because I've got too much other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. uh, I, would, I would be willing to guess that the rate of new Redux related libraries has slowed down mm -hmm. a, a lot, uh, both because the ecosystem has matured so most use cases are covered by some existing library, as well as just because it's not the new shiny anymore. And so people are you know, kind of turning their attention to other tools. Uh, for example, during the first two years of Redux's existence, there seemed to be a new side effects middleware popping up about every other week. Um, and at this point, it's really settled down to the main three are thunks, sagas, and observables. Mm -hmm. And so our standard recommendation at this point is use thunks as the default, especially if you're just doing some basic data fetching. If you have you know, more complex async use cases you're trying to solve, use either sagas or observables, depending on what your preferred you know, form of syntax is, whether you want generators or observables. Use observables all the time. Only observables is fine. Obviously. You sound biased to me. Oh, no. <laughs> and, um, you know, some of the libraries that you've seen, I mean, has there, is there still maintenance on them or have you kind of seen that slow down as well? 
I, I know that certainly a lot of the smaller libraries that I cataloged over time, you know, probably haven't been touched in quite a while. And, you know, a lot of them were relatively small. And so it's not like they were something that either got lots of adoption or really needed lots of ongoing maintenance. Uh, Redux Saga is, ha has you know, continued to be maintained. I know they, they finally hit 1.0 a while back and have pushed out some new versions. Uh, I haven't kept an eye on exactly what, you know, Jay has been doing with Redux Observable in terms of versioning. Um, I, I would assume that's still generally maintained, if not, mm -hmm. you know, maybe not necessarily getting a lot of, you know, new work, but that's, that's still a thing. Um, I mean, the, the ecosystem is fairly mature at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's good, right? I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, in JavaScript, it's like, oh my God, too many frameworks. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden these frameworks are relatively stable and then everyone's like, wait, I'm bored. What's the next new thing? Right, and right, so, right. you know, we complain about JavaScript being too fast, but then once it becomes stable, we get bored. Mm -hmm. Come on, people. <laughs> so I, I, as a, another thing I'm curious about, because I worked, obviously I was on the Angular team for a while, um, but like I, I, I had this weird experience where I worked at Netflix and we use Redux and we use Redux Observable. Uh, and then, you know, I left, I went to Google and immediately started working on an app that had NGRX, which was funny because at first I'm like, well, I've never used NGRX, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of RxJS and it's basically Redux. Like it really was. Um, but there's things about NGRX and Redux that are, that are slightly different. Like they've diverged a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if you've ever used NGRX. Uh, I, I can tell you that I think NGRX adoption has been, um, it's, it's been growing and or steadier maybe than Redux has. Like Redux was like this big, a whole bunch of people used it and then people realized they were overusing it. And so they did this thing and every, everything does that. Right? RxJS does that, everything does that. But uh, NGRX seems to have kind of this weird steady growth and almost cult following to it in, in the Angular community. Um, and I was wondering if you'd used it or if there's, or if you've uh, talked to any of those folks or if you'd like to talk to any of those folks, I know. Several yeah, so of them, so I, I never actually, I've never actually used it. Mm -hmm. I have looked at the docs a number of times and some bits of the source. I had actually tried to ping some of the NGRX maintainers uh, when I was out in San Francisco for a conference a year or two ago, and was really hoping we'd be able to just you know sit down and chat for a while because there's obviously a lot of correlation between the tools. Uh, that that didn't work out. We we've, we've had a few brief you know pings and and Twitter threads and stuff. Uh, there was one interesting bit of semi collaboration that happened recently. Um, we've always recommended that Redux users should try to normalize their state structure if possible. So, you know, like if I have a list of items, rather than storing them as an array, turn them into a lookup table where the keys are the IDs so that it's really easy to access any given item just by its ID. But we've never provided anything built in to manage the process of trying to store data that way. Right. And so once Redux Toolkit 
got some of that, you know, that core reducer functionality built in, I've, I've been looking at like, what are other pain points that people are dealing with? And what are some APIs we can add to try to solve those common use cases? And so one of them was, what can we add to help manage normalized state? And again, like I'd cataloged dozens of libraries that do something along those lines. And as I was thinking about this a few months ago, I, I went back and I was looking at NGRX and NGRX had created an API called Create Entity Adapter. And it, it generates a set of predefined reducer functions or predefined updating functions for your, your standard CRUD-like behavior. Add one, add many, upsert one, upsert many, remove all, and so on. And I was looking at it and I noted that the code was like actually 99% framework agnostic. There were like two imports of anything Angular specific and the rest of the code was just pretty generic. So I, I was asking them like, what, what could we do to like extract this and make it reusable? And so we were, we were discussing that back and forth within an issue and I, I cloned the code and I started playing with it and then I started kind of rearranging it. Like for example, their update functions were written with the payload first and the state argument second. Well, the signature of a Redux reducer is state first, data second. So I just flipped the order of the arguments. And Redux Toolkit uses this really nifty library called Immer inside, which lets you write mutating like state update logic and turns it into safe immutable updates. So I tried redoing the internals of Cree Entity Adapter to use Immer inside. So the end result was that I basically ported Create Entity Adapter over to Redux Toolkit. Um, same basic concept, but specifically updated to fit our APIs and our use cases. I, I really had hoped to use it as is. Um, so it ended up being a fork, but I've, I made sure to give complete credit to the NGRX you know, maintainers for having created that in the first place. And really it was fair game because NGRX is a port of Redux in the first place. So there's, there's lots of ideas sharing back and forth. And it's, it's wonderful that stuff like that can happen. Yeah, that's the best part about the community. And you are totally right. I mean, that was basically how <laughs> NGRX came about, so. Yeah, I, I, think, I do think that, uh, that you folks should form some sort of club though, because like it's, they're, they're, uh, like it's, it's funny because NGRX, I, I would say, um, and I don't really know this for sure, but like, it seems like within the Angular community, they've been in battle a couple times, but overall they're like with the same thing as NGRX dead. And then like, they're like, no, it's not. And like, it, but it's still got a really strong following. Um, and there's so many similarities early on. I, I got after Rob Wormald and I'm, I was even like, I was like, Redux is so small. Why don't you just wrap Redux inside of whatever you're doing here, but they, they did have principled reasons they couldn't do it, like related to Angular's uh, dependency injection system and certain things like that. Um, one, one feature that, that NGRX had that I'm curious if Redux has an answer to this now is they've got, um, and, and it's very, it's somewhat Angular specific, but they've got this idea of um, having 
a single centralized store, but they can have uh, like kind of sub stores for individual features that are added in there. So for example, you can add like a component or in Angular's especially weird case, like a module of components and it will register this, this uh, store with your parent store. So a single source of truth still that is like specific to that group of modules or, or that group of components under a module. Uh, and I was wondering if, if Redux had anything like that, because the use case for it was that I saw um, is that you have a centralized store, but maybe your, maybe your UI is highly dynamic, like you are adding and removing components based off of user settings or something. And those components don't always want, need the same stuff in the store. Like you can, you want to change what you're storing based off of those things. So I was curious if, if Redux was wor working on anything like that or had any plans for anything like that. Not, not specifically. So the, the closest we've got to something like that is basically the same primitive we've always had, which is store.replaceReducer. And the, limita the limitation there is that since there's only one reducer function, it's up to you to recreate that with whatever additional logic you need. And you know, it, it's always been, you have one root reducer, you've just broken it into many smaller functions for maintainability. And the standard unit of splitting is your top level keys or slices. So you have a user's reducer, a post's reducer, a comments reducer, and so on. And so if I, let's, let's say I, I delay loaded my comments feature. So you create your initial root reducer with the posts and, and, and the users. And then later on, you delay load the comments feature. It wants to add another slice. It's now up to you to rerun combine reducers and now pass in three slice reducers instead of two, and then pass that newly generated reducer to the store. Uh, I Not, see. So you do, use, you could use that to lazy load in uh, reducers right. or, or Redux features. Right. So that that's that's been there since day one, uh, and nothing about that has specifically changed. And we don't provide any particular helper functions to make that particular use case similar. Uh, I was recently looking at the docs for Vuex, you know, the, the Vue community inspired version of Redux. And they have a really neat module system, which does let you dynamically attach modules and sub modules at runtime and hook it up and it all just magically works. Uh, I, I don't know what the implementation details of that are. Uh, I suspect that doing something like that on our side would be rather complex due to the, the technical differences, but I, I totally respect that they've found a way to do that and do it in a very user-friendly kind of a way. That's interesting. Uh, is, there, is there the ability in uh, Redux right now to like lazy load in your side effects middlewares and stuff too, or? Generally speaking, no. Strictly speaking, sort of, kind of. So the middleware chain is intended to be defined at store creation time. Um, and the, it, it, it forms, you know this, but just for everyone's else, everyone else's edification, middleware form a wrapper pipeline around the store's dispatch function. So that when you call store.dispatch, it's actually going middleware one, middleware two, middleware three, real store.dispatch. 
And the code for the function pipeline that sets up is, is hard coded. You can't change that once it's been constructed. And so the, the intent and the standard usage is that it's only done once when the store is created. I have seen a couple middleware that in turn allow you to dynamically add and remove middleware kind of in the middle of that chain. Yeah, yeah. That's, I was so, going to say that sounds like it yeah. lends itself to, to having um, someone be like, here's the middleware that takes effectively what would be like an observable of middleware, right? Like, like every time the middleware changes, here's different middleware. Yeah, I could see that. One, one thing we were, we, we've been talking about for Redux Toolkit, so we, we include Redux Thunk out of the box because it is the, the standard basic async middleware to do data fetching and stuff. Um, we don't have anything built in to allow you to respond to dispatched actions the way a saga or observable would. And so we've talked about trying to add some kind of a action listener middleware. And frankly, we got into a lot of not arguments, but debate over like what use cases we're trying to solve and what the right APIs are. So that one's kind of in limbo at the moment. Um, but it is kind of the same deal with like, if you, if you try to make it more dynamic behavior at runtime, weird things can start to happen. Like, you know, listeners adding and removing themselves as you go. So, you know, I think one of the inter interesting things you said about Redux was this whole idea that it kind of helps you, kind of guides you into better React architecture. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I really like that idea. So, you know, we see a lot of developers who are, you know, mid-level, kind of like on the, on the brink of becoming a senior developer. And, you know, a lot of, you know, in my opinion, a lot of, reasons a lot of what's missing is really the architect part of it right as a senior engineer you actually need to know and understand and be able to suggest uh you know long-standing i guess architectures with longevity mm -hmm. so would you recommend people like even juniors for example to kind of be using redux when they first get started to better understand architecture and to better architect their react applications mm -hmm. Our general advice has always been that most people should not try to learn Redux until they're already comfortable with React. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that there's just a lot of terms and concepts with Redux by itself. There's a lot of terms and concepts with React. And if you try and tackle them both at once, you're going to be overwhelmed with the number of new ideas. The other aspect is that once you know and understand and are comfortable with React, it's a lot more clear what the difference is between React and Redux and how they fit together and how Redux can be useful in a React app. And unfortunately, really almost ever since Redux came out, people have associated the two and said, well, if you're using React, you have to use Redux. And this has resulted in 5 million tutorial blog posts on Medium trying to show using them both together. And you've got people in boot camps who, you know, the first four weeks are JavaScript and the next two weeks are, the, are React and the next two weeks are Redux. And frankly, they're getting shoved into Redux way too early and I hate it. Uh, don't get me wrong. I want, I'm like, like I, use all the things. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. 
I'm, I'm a maintainer. I want people to use Redux, but I want people to use the right tool for the right job, and I don't want them to be scared off or confused or overwhelmed by having too many new things thrown at them. Um, I am in the I am in the process of a, a very long term process of trying to rewrite most of the Redux documentation. Uh, we added a new style guide docs page inspired by the view docs that does actually try to provide our recommended best practices and usage patterns. Uh, the docs had always been very unopinionated and just said, here's five possible ways to do things. And by providing the style guides page, we're, we're trying to tell people this is the right way to use Redux. Um, that, that new tutorial draft that I just finished teaches Redux Toolkit as the default way to use Redux. And it tries to focus more on here is how to use it the right way. Here is a set of patterns you can follow. Don't worry too much about how it works inside. Just do what this tutorial says and you can build something for real. And then you can go over to the other tutorial and kind of learn things from the bottom up and how it works. Uh, rewriting the bottom up tutorial is next on my list because that tutorial is very, very outdated. It still starts by saying, if you've ever built a Flux app, you'll feel right at home. And in 2020, no one knows what Flux was. So I, I want people to learn Redux, but I don't want them to jump into it too early. <laughs> because then you end up like me, where I'm like talking about these super high level things where Ben is like, dang, Tracy, you're really like, your, your RxJS knowledge is here. And I'm still like, dude, my JavaScript knowledge is there. <laughs> it's just not matching up. So, you know, maybe you can become a Redux expert and you don't even have to be a JavaScript expert. I mean, that could, but I mean, so can people contribute to the stocks thing? Like, do you have any, um, you know, I mean, we made a big push for uh, RxJS a few years back to actually fix the documentation. Um, do you have some sort of like guidelines so other people can get involved? I, I created like 20 plus issues trying nice. to like, like trying to provide, I've, I've got a meta issue that just points to other overview issues for the different topics. Um, and in all honesty, like I'm really the only person spending any time and effort on this right now. And I have been begging repeatedly on Twitter for other people to contribute. Oh, I will totally help you with that. Okay. I see yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Do That's it. Really do meta it. issue. Yes. Do that. So Tracy, Tracy did uh, drove the effort to get the RxJS docs improved and rewritten, and we have a core team member, Jan Nicholas, now from that effort that does a fantastic job. And yeah, um, yeah, having having like people on your core team that are dedicated towards making that better, <laughs> it's like night and day. Yeah. Huge, huge and difference. And, I and swear to God, with with the the RxJS, I was just like. Let me just spin up a blank, empty Angular repo. And that was enough to inspire everybody else to take it over. It was great. <laughs> and, and part of the issue is that the, you know, the Redux team is pretty small. So Tim, Dorr, and I are the primary maintainers. And that's it. Uh, Tim, Tim stays a little more in the background. Uh, he he kind of quietly merges some PRs. Uh, he's been working on some of the, the Redux core TypeScript conversion. Um, 
I've always been kind of the, the more vocal and visible and commenty one. And, you know, docs have always kind of been, been my focus. Oh, and that's, we, that's not to say other people don't contribute. We've had lots of contributors over time, but it's, it's usually like people will jump in and help out with kind of like one specific thing for a certain period of time. All right, Ben, I'm leaving the RxJS core team. I'm moving over to Redux and I'm just going <laughs> no, to you, <laughs> you can't take her. You can't have her. All right. So yeah, while, I would, I would, while I've got, hold on, while I've got you here, this is, this is important. So, Okay. Now that now that Dan Abramoff's out of the way because he's a stick in the mud. Actually, <laughs> actually, no, he's he's a great guy. He really is a great guy. Stick in the um, mud. I hope he hears this, Dan. You're sticking the mud. No, so here's like I I proposed they they had a thread once upon a time where they were talking about a logo for Redux, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually drew a picture of several small ducks, uh, and that was a no. And then I had ducks like. One like they're like ducks eating their tail, and that's actually the Redux observable, observable logo now logo, that yep. spins. But so they they came up with a different logo, and I think that you can keep the current logo, but just alter it slightly if you can see that, <laughs> and just maybe maybe make those dots in the Wait, end. What until, are those though? Into little ducks. Oh my God, they're little <laughs> ducks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best thing ever. I mean, I just I just sketched that up real quickly, but I'm I'm thinking like you know if you just had some little ducks. <laughs> Oh my God, that's there. so cute. So, so, so kind of like what Firefox does with the Firefox logo wrapping, or the Firefox wrapping the world. Yeah, yeah, like please, please just add some ducks to the logo. Oh my it's, God. It's dying for it. It needs it so bad. Ben, you have to post that on Twitter because it's the best idea ever. <laughs> right. Nice. That's the payment for me to get people to help you on docs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if if you're on if you're on board, I will I will get the vector art and we'll make it happen. I would be so very pleased if there are actual ducks in a logo. Come on, Mark, you know you want to. Well, we we are we are now recommending what's known as the ducks pattern for organizing files. You know, putting all the logic for a given feature into one file. Oh my God! Hold on, Mark. You know you're so you said you're in south you're in southwestern Ohio. Yep. So this this is something that's gonna be because I lived in Ohio for years. This is something that'll be amply available. You should you should look around for like taxidermy ducks and like have them behind you every time you're in an interview. <laughs> just just so there's like a like a literal wall of ducks behind you. Mm. Um, I actually have a duck room. In, yes. you, what, you have a duck room. And yeah, you didn't, you, and you didn't do this podcast in the duck room. For some reason, I just escaped me. But I'll send you pictures of my duck room. It's pretty intense. <laughs> right, right. When you when you rearrange the furniture in there, it's it's Redux. You know that, right? Oh my God! Yes, yes. Okay, well, we have to wrap up, but um, you know, definitely check out the GitHub issues on Redux if you're excited. I mean, Mark, you made it very clear. So, I mean, I see it um, on the, um, you know, like that's like the first thing I see when I look at the issues. Um, thank you for doing that. Uh, you know, a lot of people are always asking me, where do I contribute to open source? So thank you for giving Do me the opportunity. Docs are a wonderful place to contribute. It, I know. It, it does usually require some, you know, a, a decent amount of understanding of, of the tool to be able to write the documentation, but docs are a wonderful place for anyone to get started contributing to open source. Yeah, and Mark is awesome too. I mean, you've been great over the years. I mean, you've helped me with like, you know, 
God, sometimes I just go into this like deep, dark, black hole of, I want to start a project. Wait, I don't have anything to build. Wait, what do I build? Wait, what do I build it with? And then, you know, the day is over. So <laughs> we really appreciate that. And, you know, I mean, um, you know, I, I you know, I've, I've heard other community members say like, oh my God, Mark helped me during my, you know, journey in React. So, you know, that definitely doesn't go unnoticed and you're definitely making a difference out there. So thank you. Well, that's it. I, I, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And you can follow Mark on Twitter. It's Ace Mark E. e. Mark E. Yeah. <laughs> so A-C-E-M-A-R-K-E. -E. Um, and, you know, again, he's a great person to chat with and talk about. And if you have ideas about Redux or want to join the team, I mean, that's a great opportunity to just like get started. Um, you know, Ben is awesome too. You can follow Ben at Ben Lush on Twitter. Hopefully, I mean, Ben, you promised me you're going to post that picture, right? Of the, <laughs> yeah. the reader. Yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it on there. Okay. So if you want to see new artwork for Redux, check out Ben's Twitter. Um, and, you know, thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Let's go, cause we got a show for you.